0: Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty and cosmetic enhancement. Alina Rose is a relationship expert. She's a cognitive coach, women's sensuality mentor, and an expert working with clients, corporates, and providing regular media commentary on the transformative effect of unlocking feminine power. Known as a warrior for women, Alina helps women with reclaiming their right to pleasure and mindfully creating happier, intimate connections, both in and out of the bedroom. She is uniquely qualified to appear on this episode of Ageless by Rescue as we talk about the power of unlocking your feminine mystique and reclaiming your sexuality. She's a master practitioner of NLP, a certified life and executive coach, an EFT practitioner, and a Psych K facilitator, as well as a student of Tantra. I spoke with Alina on the topic of ageless sensuality, the power of leaning into our feminine mystique, shifting cultural norms of what it means to embody sexiness at every age. She also shared deep insight and research on the mind-body-pleasure connection and the science behind the often misunderstood practice of tantra. Alina is a coach and guide who works with clients on reawakening their sensual energy, projecting a powerful feminine identity and unlocking parts of ourselves that have been minimized due to grief, trauma, age, or lack of confidence. Her insights are absolutely priceless and I know that this is an episode that will spark more than a few conversations on the topic of expansion and personal growth through the power of sensuality. Welcome, Alina Rose. So I have got the pleasure of introducing my friend and esteemed colleague in wellness, Alina Berdijewski. Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. I'm so happy to have you here to talk all about the science of pleasure.
1: Oh, thank you so much. It's such a wonderful topic and I can't think of a better platform to share this information on.
0: You know, one of uh, our most popular podcast episodes was with Samantha X, uh, mm-hmm. who is, you know, a sex expert, And I think um, we've published a couple of articles also on pleasure, uh, on intimacy um, and how that relates in the ageless conversation. Because truly, as we've discussed on a number of occasions and as you're about to celebrate, you know, milestone birthday yourself, Pleasure is ageless, and it's it, the science of pleasure. Once you understand it, and once you understand kind of the the premise for um, discovering pleasure, understanding sexuality, and um, how to turn it on if it's waned, uh, can really, really benefit um, and. And contribute to a life of vitality and of cellular wellness, of happiness, and there's so many benefits um, to you know a good, healthy sex life, whatever that may be for you, whether it's solo sex, whether it's with a partner, whatever it is. And I really want to deep dive into a particular niche aspect which you're an expert in, Uh, and that's the science of Tantra because it is an ancient wisdom. And I think that, you know, from a lot of the ancient um sciences we can learn so much for a modern life so I'm going to let you give us a little bit of a background and demystify the world of Tantra.
1: Oh absolutely and you know I really want to clarify that I am a student of Tantra um and the beauty of it is that people can have incredible expertise in it but it's a thousands years old tradition that is all about expanding and expanding and diving deeper and that's what tantra actually means it uh, implies that our life force energy this biofield that we have beneath and beyond the skin can have infinite expandability can have an infinite electric and magnetic current and that is where that life force is derived from so using the gateway of the flesh and an approach to sexuality as a form of awakening that electricity, we really do fire up the cells and the hormonal faculties in our bodies that bring us to this beautiful harmony, a state of homeostasis and allow for that more eternal sense of youthfulness and uh, agelessness uh, through the gateway of sexuality and looking at sexuality in this much more esoteric and subtle way which is a discipline in and of itself
0: in our modern world Um, I think something that you touched on which I really want to get some of the science behind this is you talked about you know uh, enlivening the cells and that electro field you know a lot of us chase that elusive chemical um, connection Uh, in in relationship or with sexuality. And, you know, the science tells us that that does wane. Um, That's, you know, it's an ancient and um, genetic form of bonding where you have that intensity of desire and passion and sexual chemistry. But then, again, from an evolutionary perspective, we have been designed to lose that the heat in the desire and the intensity of sexual chemistry so that we don't, um, you know, lose ourselves, uh, by this really primal drive. And so, you know, when it comes to talking about ageless pleasure and, uh, and sex in, in the paradigm of agelessness. So whether you're, you know, um, in a post-menopausal kind of um, st- stage of your life or if, you know, you've, you're have you recovering from some form of trauma or exhaustion or, um, you know, uh, illness that's impacted or lifestyle that's impacted that desire or whether it is that you've, you know, been in a relationship for past what we've been designed to have that heat and passion for. Are there, you know... Techniques that you recommend to clients or things that you know of that can maybe not bring back that initial fire, but can certainly restart the fire and and sustain it in a way that's enjoyable?
1: Oh, it is such a phenomenal question. And I think it's almost the solution to not only an ageless, um an ageless cellular body, but also a more eternal sense of love and connection in our partnerships. And the hormone distinction between that sort of procreative animalistic sex versus a more slow release tantric sexual experience is that the first one produces dopamine, which is what makes it animalistic. Dopamine is a very goal-oriented hormone. It's like the more we have it, the more we want it, the more we want it. It's beauty is that it's short spikes but it's also unsustainable then when we are in love then oxytocin is produced but it's only produced uh, as we know in couples for a couple of years which is how nature designed it for us to raise the child until according to nature this little child is small enough to be more or less independent and doesn't need both parents as much So from a procreative perspective, if we don't acknowledge the deeper elements of sex, once those two hormones kind of run out, we kind of go, well, what's left? The beauty about tantra is that the wisdom states, you have an energetic body, which is forever there. So it is unrelated. Our biofield its kind of the heat we emit, the chemistry, the emotions that's beyond the skin uh, is a part of our framework, even when perhaps our physical cells can start to shift or decline. And the hormone that is produced even more so during tantra is actually serotonin. And serotonin is more of a consciousness high. It is more of a self-actualization. So couples that are, have been together for a while or are not interested in children and, you know, want to know how to keep their relationship fresh, Tantra and using that sexual energy to awaken and produce some serotonin and um, other forms of endorphins actually expands, uh, if you like, our energy in our chakra system beyond the genitals and beyond just the couple unit. And so people who practice Tantra, kind of build up that sexual energy and expand it through their hearts and through their minds and as a form of improving their cognition, as a form of a spiritual practice, as a form of connecting uh, the kundalini at the base of the spine with the pineal gland. And so the tantric experience becomes a source of well-being, not just connecting and bonding for family, but a way of, Getting this elixir of youth that our body naturally produces, and to circulate, to circulate and to move.
0: You know, there's uh, always, um, you know, it's a joke that if someone is having sex or is in a new relationship you know, they glow up and, um, there's that, you know, je ne sais quoi about, um, a man or a woman who's freshly in love and is, you know, really connected with their partner, enjoying a really passionate, um, sexual relationship. You can literally see it oozing out of their pores. Their skin looks better. Their gait is uh, more confident. Their energy is different. Their, um, you know, uh, uh, health and vibrancy seems to really sing and uh, they're also um you know some i guess not so good side effects in that you know it doesn't make you crazy it, it's considered mm. a, a form of madness that mm-hmm. uh, initial phase of falling in love and that you know passionate lust driven phase of a relationship is there any science that um, that you know of that that speaks to the physiological changes that you know you do see in people who are in that first phase or or people who are practicing tantra and are able to have that physiological change?
1: Mm. Yes, absolutely. So. Let's start with that addicted, I can't think about anything but that person, that's the dopamine, that's the the rush that you need and you need more and more of that person and if you are not in their energy field and experiencing their their scent and their voice, then your body kind of gets a little bit down and deflated so you just dream about getting that dopamine fix uh, as well. So there's that. But in terms of um, the beaming feeling, that tends to happen when the heart is open as well. So uh, somebody that is just having primal or carnal sex will not have a glow as much as someone whose hearts are open and syncing up. And uh, according to the Heart Maths Institute, who have done quite a lot of research over the sovereignty of the heart as an intelligence center compared to the mind. And the Institute discovered that not only does the heart have forty thousand more neurons than the brain, it emits five times, five thousand times rather higher magnetic field, and that when people are in heart alignment, it creates a sense of resonance. So it's a sense of familiarity. And so, When this heart energy and the heart produces a lot of feel-good chemicals in our bodies as well, it is a big generator of uh, serotonin, when our heart is synced up with another, plus adding that 5,000 times more magnetic effect, we almost become high like on a natural drug and that's why we're beaming and we're glowing because when we think in reverse, what stress and aging do to us, you know, cortisol, it it kind of contracts and shrinks us. And it takes all our life force and kind of pulls us in and shrivels us. Whereas these chemical reactions are almost a reversing of aging an amplifying again of of our cells, of our hormone systems, you know, amazing sex and love produce more estrogen. And so we are more fertile with that energy so our whole body is kind of like zzz, lit up by the chemical processes that are happening because the heart is engaged and uh, if the sex is satisfying which is a big component of it then when we're building up sexual energy quite often then that too has incredible effects across all physical markers from an improved cognition rate because of the heart mind connection it creates a whole brain functioning which relaxes the nervous system it improves immunity it has a flow and effect by harmonizing the body and the mind and so yeah the whole brain functioning is what has a flow and effect to
0: every other part of That's that's so interesting. interesting. You know, the other thing I was going to say is that in all of the ageing research, um, what they speak about is a restricted calorie diet, Mm. exercise, uh, reduction of stress and a steady relationship are Mm. repeatedly in all long-term scientific um, studies shown to be the hallmarks of someone who will experience longevity and also an improved health span. So, really, the conversation around um, pleasure, sexual satisfaction, connection with your partner, is is really an anti-aging and a longevity conversation because we are wired to live, you know, in partnership and to enjoy. Uh, You know, uh, love and intimacy, and by extending that, if if there are there are tools, if there are sciences, if there are techniques to help you know, solidify that pillar, uh, it's as important as eating well, it's as important as exercising, it's as important as having, you know, your blood tests and your hormones checked. So for me, when, you know, I think our collective consciousness as a Western society has really come a long way. You know, we're talking about pleasure as an innate right, whereas, you know, 50 years ago even, pleasure wasn't a right it wasn't something that people necessarily seeked out it was uh it was a byproduct, and you know if you were lucky you would experience pleasure intimacy connection in in a partnership um But you know we've come such a long way, and it's really exciting that you know there are programs like you know when Goop did their whole series on sexuality, and that was aired on you know a mainstream um, Mm -hmm. carrier, uh, and. And, you know, David Jones is now selling sex toys. Um, Mm. The conversation is is really, really primed to discuss the well-being benefits of having satisfaction, of pleasure, of intimacy, of expanding that, you know, heart-brain connection within a relationship. So I want to kind of jump to some of the things that you could share with us that, you know, without... Possibly doing an entire course on Tantra, uh, some of the things that you would recommend to your clients because you are a coach for um, femininity, cognitive um, behavior, you're a cognitive behavioral coach as well. So I'm really curious as to what are some of the techniques you teach your clients?
1: Yes. Well, I, there are actually a lot of very happy people in relationships who are living longer, as you say but who are not entirely sexually empowered. And there is an upper limit to what we think sex is or normal or pleasure is, because it is only recently that this exploration of our primal intelligence is seeing the light. And that is because you know, first we had you know the mindset revolution that you know thoughts become things, and your thinking is very important, and thoughts shape everything. But then people were still kind of experiencing stored trauma in the body. Then we went down into you know the heart space and emotional intelligence and living from the heart and exploring the importance of the heart as an intelligence and spiritual gateway, and and yet things were still like missing a little bit and then finally you know we go sort of into the depths of the the sexual exploration and realizing okay maybe there is something more to it and that is the awakening of primal intelligence and the first thing that I start with with my clients is just the realization that such a thing exists
0: that you're right and like if you don't accept that such a thing exists where that's the first place right acceptance and acknowledgement of it as an option
1: exactly and sometimes I ask women to put their hands on their womb and just connect and they're like oh they they never have done that Um, that these could be energy portals you know we look at genitals as birthing or functional or maybe sexual pleasure domains but to explore and understand and expand your view of yourself as a more energetic framework is already an incredible paradigm shift and for people who are single they start to enjoy their exploration of themselves in whole new subtle ways and that the definition of pleasure can expand beyond our sexual organs or our genitals and that sensuality and our, I'm, you know, touching my hand for a reason here, our energetic field is so subtle that something as simple as brushing your palm with your fingertips can be pleasurable and tickling the back of your own neck can be pleasurable, and if our body is an instrument of pleasure and an awakening of this electricity, then what does that mean in partnership? What does that mean for other faculties in ourselves that can be seen as pleasurable? So by understanding that this primal intelligence is the core of who we are and it informs everything else, and that it's very sensuality based rather than sexuality based gives permission to a whole group of people regardless of their age or relationship status or wellness status to see themselves as erotic beings
0: so um i'm interested on your take on you know the the new kind of paradigm that we're living in where sex has become A lot more available um, because of you know the um, dating culture has shifted to online dating. You know, whereas you might have met uh, your partner through an introduction or on a night out or through school or through you know friendship groups, you now literally are able to pick up your phone and have a menu of available either sex or life partners. Mm. And so, I I would venture to guess that people the number of you know, sexual interactions and partners that men and women are having has, you know, uh, exploded um, since, you know, th- that movement. And, of course, we had, um, you know, the sexual revolution in the past and we had, you know, the the pill and all of those things that have, you know, gradually shifted the dial from monogamy, like pure monogamy and lifetime monogamy to multiple sex partners, multiple sexual experiences, how does that then work in terms of self discovery, and also mm-hmm. uh, in the in the paradigms of tantra and connection? Can you have meaningful, soulful, heart resonating connections with a series of short relationships, a series of one night stands? Are people being I guess led to really stay in that frenzied initial phase of like animalistic connection because they're having lots of short, 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 short relationships. And then they become addicted to that high of having mm-hmm. a, a series of short, highly charged relationships.
1: That is such a great question. And you know, I love your parallel around food and your whole platform is dedicated to mastery over our, our bodies. And just because food is more available on Uber Eats doesn't mean that it nourishes us even more. But when we know how to eat, you know, eat to our blueprint, eat to our blood type, that will always make wonderful choices, um, whether we are, you know, ordering food off an app or we're in a, you know, Hatted restaurant overseas. And that to me feels very familiar to apply to sex. So if you are someone who understands your sexual energy, who knows how to sync your genitals with your heart, who respects the, I guess, sovereignty of your biofield and kind of keeping it integral and not letting into any negative energies, then. You will be choosing your sexual partners from a different compass, a different mechanism. You won't be choosing partners because they are visually sexy, or because you are lonely, or because um, you, you just want to have like this primal experience and get that dopamine hit. So, I guess if you're tantric, uh, you can still absolutely enjoy variety and being. Uh, you know, I don't want to use the word promiscuous, but you can have as much variety in your sex life as you choose, but the quality of it will be incredibly different because uh, the connection that you're able to foster to your body and between you and your partner, your lover, will will have a very different effect in terms of its nourishment. So I'm, I'm not sure if that entirely answers your question, but... If you are sexually uninspired or you're not tantric or this is not anything that you've been curious about or exploring, then you're going to continue having, you know, what I call McDonald's sex. Mm -hmm. It'll be great, it'll be comfortable, it'll be convenient, but it won't reach the heights of mastery as, say, something a raw food chef could prepare you with carefulness and cultivation.
0: One of the uh, th- I think the first time I heard about tantra was when Sting and his wife Trudy um, they you know they were in all the media about having tantric sex and the thing that kind of lingered as the as the memory of what tantric sex is was to be able to have hour long orgasms mm. um, and so it kind of went into the realms of hippie uh, esoteric. And people were like, oh, I don't know if I want to have a one-hour orgasm. I don't know what that feels like. You know, uh, facilitation of courses was always in groups. You know, we'd seen it in movies, in shows. And um, how has that, you know, how true is that uh, of tantric Mm. sex or is that just one small aspect of it? And, you know, if people are curious to develop, you know, the, the art of tantra, the science of tantra, what are the options nowadays?
1: Mm, oh, it's another wonderful question, and you know, I <laughs> this is not the sexiest term, but sometimes I call what I do suburban tantra. That it's I do not have hour long orgasms. I did go to that extreme, you know, during my training, and it's it's possible. Um, and dare I say, I think Trudy and Sting were just showing off <laughs> and. It, Possible, and perhaps they had time. And what's beautiful about Tantra is that it's synonymous with connection. So you can have a tantric experience for five minutes, and you can have a tantric experience for thirty minutes or an hour, or you know if you and your love you know your lover have f- four hours or a whole weekend away, then you can expand that connection for as long as is required. but the essence of Tantra is syncing up. And when your bodies are in sync and when you have the discipline to slow down the sexual act, in essence what it means and what Singh and Trudy were talking about is that they have trained themselves to build up their sexual energy but not release it through orgasm and build it up and then just keep drinking it into your cells, keep absorbing it and not releasing it. And, and that's what creates those hormonal benefits, the relaxation of the nervous system that when you're building up that sexual energy, you can kind of stay on the high for a lot longer. And when people are having tantric orgasms, it's not like that intense, quick, kind of quickie dopamine orgasm that we have. It just means that you're, I'm kind of pulsating my hands a bit, but that state of heightened erotic arousal, is higher so you're on that wave higher so it may be at an 80 percent for hours and it's still orgasmic energy so if you stay in that highly orgasmic energy for half the day then you can absolutely say you've had a four-hour orgasm but it doesn't mean that it's that strong intense the climax so orgasm and climax are quite separate in the tantric dialect because orgasm is a heightened state, a climax is like over the edge, finished.
0: So in terms of um, uh, talking about climax and uh, the sustenance of, of that electricity of um, pleasure, one of the things that I think is really interesting is that in uh, for elite athletes, for in performance and also in a lot of therapy, um, there's this talk about um, abstinence and and the power of abstinence because mm. so much of our energy is dissipated during climax or orgasm, and so you know elite athletes are instructed not to have uh, sexual experiences uh, before a big game, or um, you know a lot of um, high performers in in other fields talk about a period of abstinence. Where they really rebuilt their lives by taking sexual energy off the table uh, as a menu item. What what's the science behind that, and and what are your thoughts and experiences mm. around that topic?
1: Yeah, um, I would call that a non tantric approach. So if you are not tantric, um, then you generally would not have the training or discipline to hold yourself in a slightly orgasmic state without getting more excited and without um
0: dissipating you know, energy. Yeah.
1: Dissipating energy. Because when you when you look at um, you know, why is semen life force? Well, because it creates life. Um it's it's lesser so for women, but again, there is a big spike to having an actual climax and then the the endorphins are up, but then there is a certain level of come down. So it can destabilize those very quick dopamine, you know, a quick rush and a decline can really destabilize the nervous system. It's almost like when people go on antidepressants or anti anxiety medication, uh, the doctor says, come off it gently. So orgasms create a short term hit of those positive processes so boom, when we come down gently it can be well, the french call
0: weird. an orgasm a little death
1: yeah, petit mort. exactly yeah, exactly yeah i mean that i think what the french mean however is an absolution of the ego so ah. that, that that's what i read in a recent um french book recently that it's it's a little death because you sort of absorb and you forget yourself oh um, i like that But but I'm sure there is uh, a biophysical process that happens with that. Um, But back to your question, a more tantric approach would be to keep your sexual energy maybe at a 40% uh, through touch if you can, you know, gently masturbate or dancing or just, just whatever it is that lights you up a bit and turns you on so that your faculties are awakened, so that you are more alert and more on fire. But you're not so uh, stoked and overheated that there may be that temptation to to climax and to release that energy. So I think for safety purposes, especially for athletes for whom a lot is at stake, uh, the expert definition is just don't go there at all because you may not be able to stop yourself. But I think forty to twenty to forty to fifty percent sexual energy, Awakening is incredibly healthy, and I would choose that over complete dormant.
0: So, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about again in the in the concept of ageless is, you know, we uh, what has traditionally happened is that you know people are very sexually active in their late teens uh, and twenties, and um, but a lot of times when you know uh, you look at research most of those uh, experiences are not are reported as not being the best sex of their lives it's it might be very athletic it might be very often it might be uh varied but a lot of people report that it it wasn't until later in life often in their late 30s or in a, in the confines of a uh, a relationship where they were able to like really explore their sexuality um is when they reported the greatest satisfaction and depth of pleasure Mm. and connection. And so I think that that research is really exciting because, you know, as as we expand our longevity, um, we're going to potentially have multiple life partners for whatever reason. And also society has, you know, moved away from the taboo of divorce and repartnering. And so I'm interested um, on your take, particularly in the clients that you see, uh, if you've seen examples of people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond, who've had their sexual awakening much later in life, and what that looks like, and and the benefits of that.
1: Mm, Beautiful. Um, It can look two ways. So, The first sexual awakening is in women who are coming out of an unhealthy and unhappy long-term marriage where their self-esteem, their self-expression, their sexuality was somehow distorted, manipulated or denied. And so there is a sense of that woman that she was decades ago but was suppressed, re-emerging, and that... A beautiful maiden and minx is coming out to play and so the women feel internally quite youthful and vibrant and that's what you know we tend to see um, you know younger lovers and you know a lot more dancing so as you know in tantra they would say the shakti is dancing and there is this real freedom of expression and enjoying your body without inhibition so in tantra the greatest suggestion for women and men but especially for women to achieve deeper sexual pleasure is relaxation and that is what it allows for that sexual energy to kind of expand and flow whereas in our society this quick sex is all about like tensing tensing hurry up and women tense and it's like again it's that climax and release using the dopamine hit But in Tantra, if there is a sense of relaxing, letting go, surrendering, then the sexual experiences for the woman become a lot deeper, a lot more pleasurable. She can breathe into it a lot more and feel about what's going on a lot more without checking out. And uh, relaxation is also linked to the high probability of having a cervical orgasm, which is considered the most rare and medicinal orgasm because it the vaginal canal in relaxation to kind of get to the cervix has to be so deep that that is the only way that the cervix can be accessed and so women who are emerging and having new sexual adventures or have that inner peace with their bodies and what they're doing sexually That correlates with a level of relaxation, which means that they're able to feel into their body and enjoy themselves a lot more and have stronger orgasms, not even necessarily due to what's going on hormonally, but to their own availability and receptivity and actually allowing themselves to sense and feel and not check out and kind of worry about what their body looks like or whether they're pleasing and doing things right. Sex truly becomes for themselves.
0: And and in terms of men and aging, um, mm. you know, there's obviously the the physicality of being able to have an erection that declines mm. with age, and and also um, stamina, uh, as you, you know, you touched on um, self image, all of that. So, how does tantra work for men? Oh, it's a great
1: question, and. Tantra is an incredible gift uh, to men over 30 because it teaches you to hold sexual energy and that it's okay. Um, when we think about any erectile or virility problems that a man may have, it is either too much sexual energy, which translates as, you know, premature ejaculation, and erectile dysfunction and difficulties because there is not enough sexual energy so the tantric approach to that would be touch with love and without pressure and allow the man to I guess reconnect and have a different relationship with his penis one of reverence and respect where the sexual energy can just build up without that pressure to perform and a lot of the sexual difficulties that men and women face are due to the stress and the we and the pressure that we put on ourselves to perform to orgasm you know oh sorry you know i finished too quickly are you there yet come on you know how much longer do i need to be doing this and all those messages file away and for men Uh, You know, their penis in our society is perceived as like a tool and a weapon. It's like, get hard and perform, get hard and perform. And when a man can't get hard and perform, it it creates incredible stress. And stress goes counter to the relaxation that's required for the sexual energy to flow. So to just explore and connect with your body, with your penis, without that pressure, just as an exploration, as love, as slowness. If you get too aroused, relax a little bit. If it takes you a little bit longer to feel the kind of heat in that part of your body again without any expectation, then be patient, it's okay. And building up that sexual energy, allowing it to expand from the genitals to then the hips and the legs and the chest, the arms and legs and the brain and the mind is what is synonymous with that sense of virility with that sense of inner strength and power we just have to take over the pressure and get patient with our bodies again and allow that sexual energy to be and to pulsate through us without dispersing it due to tension or impatience or habit.
0: You know it's really interesting because everything you're talking about is so instructive and it just, I can't help but think you know we're taught so many things but there are certain things that are key pillars of Wellness, function, joy, and also dysfunction that we don't get taught. And I think one of those things we've chatted about this before is money. You know, we're very rarely taught about money, and yet it, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it performs in the thing that we spend most of our life trying to do. Uh, mm-hmm. The other is parenting. And the third, I would say, is sex and sexuality and pleasure. You know, at, at school, they you learn about puberty, you learn about consent. Now, um, you learn a, a little bit about the mechanics of reproduction. But at no point does really, I mean, a mother sit down her daughter or a father sit down his son and say, let me tell you about your body. Let me teach you about pleasure. Let me talk to you about the types of pleasure and what you need to enjoy your sexuality, to respect your sexuality, to enhance your sexuality, Um, this is what happens in your teens. This is what happens in your twenties. This is what happens in your sixties. We simply don't have those conversations. Um, are there any books? Are there any courses? Are there any movies? Are there any anything that you suggest that you know? If we are uncomfortable, or if we don't have someone that can teach us those things, what do you think are some great starting points that we can privately start that in, that self education?
1: Yeah, it's it's a great question. And the memories of those lessons are still alive somewhere in our bones, in our cells, in our DNA, because it was a very integral part of culture, pre-modern civilization. Uh, the Sumerian civilizations and um, I can't remember kind of the names, but it anything that was. 3,000 to 90,000 years BC was very much a matriarchal culture where women were taught by their mothers about uh, their labia, a different relationship to their bodies. They were even initiated and, in essence, were taught how to make love and were made love to by kind of masters in the tribe that ensured that that imprint of their first sexual experience was was valuable and empowering and informed the rest of her psychology um, personal books that I love about tantra that have really informed me I just love Diana Richardson um the art of tantric sex um, I love Margot Anand um, I can't remember the name of her book but she's got she's Written over 30 books. She's kind of one of the original Tantra pioneers, and I was very privileged enough to have studied with her. Um those would have to be two of my favourite ones and inform everything that there is. And then also in Australia, there is Oz Tantra, Kerry, and Diane Riley, um, who have an incredible integral space. And the reason why I suggest those three authors and practitioners is because there is a practicality and a reverence and a respect for modern life, modern couples around Tantra. Uh, They don't divulge too far down overly esoteric rabbit holes Um, in terms of the events and retreats they run. There is a lot of integrity and they keep a very sacred space in terms of exploring your own body and the one-to-one connection and then you can take it uh, one-to-many to to your partner to whatever you like whereas a lot of other tantric spaces I've witnessed they immediately begin like really high up one-to-many and it can be very overwhelming and confusing for someone who is only just exploring tantra and we're seeing a lot of um, Netflix documentaries crop up around you know gurus that have exploited the space so Yeah, haven't we just? have are my recommendations, and And myself, of course.
0: (laughs) Of course, of course, yourself, and I can't wait for you to bring out a course in this because I think you know uh, that self-paced private learning is Mm. is so valuable, particularly for things that people feel you know still have has a taboo around it, or they have um, they're just beginning to explore uh, an area. I'm curious as to what your thoughts are, and you know the around pornography and the role that pornography plays to either enhance, inform, educate or uh, destroy, uh, obscure and misinform uh, the development of uh, pleasure and, um, you know, ageless sexual uh, enjoyment. I I I've never heard of porn being made for that, you know, features people in, you know, in their 50s or sixties. I've never uh I don't watch porn, but I, I've never heard of um a lot of porn that people would say, Yeah, that was really instructive. It it really uh built a blueprint of what I'm now going to explore and enjoy. So I'm curious from your professional perspective, what what you think is good or isn't good about pornography?
1: Mm, I must must admit when you asked me that question, I just like mm, had an immediate like negative, visceral, almost traumatic reaction to it because my previous experiences with porn and also what I'm really observing, porn is influencing in terms of, you know, the behaviour of Generation Z, It, it doesn't feel Integral or respectful, or as something that uh, teaches us about pleasure and how women receive pleasure, it's just like gratifying the dopamine, animalistic uh, itch in people. And I think porn is used so often now in our culture as a stress release, so it's. Not about erotica or being turned on. It's just like, bang, I want to see something intense.
0: It's transactional, I guess. It's like, I'm going to take, you know, a can of Diet Coke out of the fridge, drink it, it's going to give me a caffeine boost, it's going to suppress my appetite, Mm. boom.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's just about that dopamine hit and the dopamine, because of its intensity, like that, you know, Coke, sugar and caffeine hit, overrides the stresses of the day and a lot of uh, people I want to say men but tend to be men who are facing porn addiction today are actually not so much addicted to the porn but just rather to the stress release and the dopamine not not the kind of content Uh, but because of its dopamine hit it becomes addictive and it starts to link the imagery with the high and that's why when people go into their own relationships they tell themselves or their mind tricks them that unless they have that kind of fast robust whatever it is they've seen in the porn movie porn then it's not good they can't enjoy it they can't have sex even though there are so many other you know chemical neurological reactions that happen during sex there's oxytocin there's serotonin there's there's a whole host of other things that the dopamine takes over and I think that is very dangerous because it limits everyone's expression around pleasure and connection and when young people are seeing this then this uh, becomes locked in and that's how they end up having sex for the rest of their lives unless someone kind of stops them and goes hey wait a minute what are you doing this is you're jackhammering or where are you like you're not even with me um having said that i do know that there is a lot of feminist porn that is uh coming out and i will confess that i've got a list of erotic uh podcasts that you can listen to and porn made by women and there's all sorts of you know woke porn and different porn but i haven't watched it so i wouldn't know but It is on my list just out of curiosity, and it is wonderful to see that for those who know that they're visually turned on or want to learn sex from different formats, that is available and that we're even starting to edge open that door that, hang on, this isn't unhealthy, this is the McDonald's style of sexuality.
0: And Well, I think, you know, the Fifty Shades of Grey franchise kicked open that door. Um, to a whole generation of uh, women who maybe weren't watching porn, but they started reading erotica and then erotica became like this, you know, it, it went from Mills and Boone, uh, ravishing maidens and, you know, pirates mm. and all of that to a more modern day exploration of kink and, um, you know, sex that was out, you know, off the normal menu. And then the movies came out. Um and then, as you were saying, erotic podcasts, erotic audiobooks. So, the, I guess the menu for um, erotic entertainment has certainly diversified. Um, do you think that there's a place for it as part of that expansion of uh, sexuality and uh, ways of discovering new ways of arousal and sus- sustaining? Arousal and curiosity and experimentation in a relationship that's outside of its primal dopamine, uh, Mm. oxytocin phase?
1: Oh, well, when we talk about erotica, I love erotica. I used to write anonymous erotica under a pseudonym in my 20s. And erotica just immediately feels delicious because it's a slow burn. It really engages the senses, there is unspoken things, there's things being left to the imagination. So it really invigorates a relationship within the self, within the reader, between you and your partner. So I, I consider erotica to be quite tantric in that unravelling. Uh, yeah. So to me, porn feels very fast primal short-term gratification and it's like McDonald's and Coca-Cola all to be used as a part of a healthy sexual diet but it cannot be your only sexual diet and one of the things that I do with my clients especially when they're only starting to discover and awaken their sexuality is to create an erotic Pinterest board and be absolutely Uh, curious and open-minded around what they enjoy and there are no taboos around an exploration if it's driven by that pleasure mechanism by the primal intelligence you know what turns you on versus what should you like
0: And And that was what was really interesting about the Goop show is that you mm -hmm. saw it in a laboratory kind of setting where people were introduced to different forms of Mm -hmm. pleasure, kink, erotica, and they were discovering so many things about themselves that they had no idea that they were drawn to it. They had no words for it. They'd never seen it before, and yet they were so drawn to it, so aroused by it, and so it expanded, you know, their sexual dialogue and their sexual literacy from that exposure.
1: Mm, Yes, and what the body enjoys and finds pleasurable is the body's wisdom. The only kind of danger and exploration, and what I speak to people about, is if their mind has linked a pleasurable experience to something dangerous um, and when we start to unpack that and separate that again that no the dopamine hit was because you were releasing stress not because the porn was great you know what else can you enjoy about erotica that is not that fast and heavy porn that you know your partner hates when we start to unpack and separate the, the mental stories and projections with just the pure pleasure and enjoyment and those electromagnetic synapses of the body then we write a whole new script for pleasure and for erotica which is what happened to the couples on goop and you know the couple were able to get on the same page and a big part of that was where they were blindfolded in a safe space and the blindfold and just being in your in the body without stories without thinking who's there allowed them to connect with that innate intelligence and a our bodies intuitively know what's good for them, what nourishes them, what will bring them back to that state of you know, optimal functioning. So if we're drawn, if we're turned on to, by something in our bodies, then it's usually good and healthy for us. It's only when the mind links something dangerous to it.
0: So where then do sex toys and pleasure items fit into this um, you know, exploration of Tantra, um, most of them are designed for the climax response. Um, and I guess, you know, if if you're single or if you're in a relationship and you, you're interested and you're drawn to this science of Tantra and how it can benefit you from, you know, all the things that you've spoken about today, w- what is the role of pleasure items in in that? Mm,
1: a part of a balanced sexual diet. Yes. So there are, there are some hardcore tantra purists who are not into sex toys at all because the theory goes that we should just, our bodies, our hands, us being present should be enough. And if we cultivate enough presence and stillness, then our bodies will awaken through very subtle stimuli. And that is, in essence, tantra. But we're also not monks and dakinis away in a temple. So we do live in a very modern world. And sex toys can be fantastic for someone who has never had an orgasm or even experienced orgasmic energy. And just to have that win, to have that... Uh, experience of your body then opens up a whole portal to other forms of stimulation you can slow down with your own body and be tantric you can have that you know quick rush amazing delicious orgasm which can be great but hey you've had an orgasm and a toy helped you and for that i think they do an incredible public service um a toy can just be like a prop within a sexual relationship, you know, just as you may be feeding each other, you know, your dessert with a spoon, so too you can play with toys as just another kink that you do in the bedroom. Um, the only cautionary thing with toys is that they are very intense in terms of their stimulation and it is an orgasm that you can get very addicted to, but to also know that it's a dopamine hit and no human tongue or penis or fingers or any body part can move as robustly as a sex toy with a fresh pack of batteries in it (laughs) so just just to be mindful of that and again like dessert use it cautiously but don't become addicted to your sex toys because then you're missing out on the other benefits of skin on skin human sex you know a, a sex toy isn't going to stimulate oxytocin sex toy may give you a little bit of rush of dopamine and serotonin but it won't reverse aging and nourish you and bring that connection and balance and heal you in a very deep way like human on human present conscious
0: beautiful sex wheel and metaverse sex is definitely not going to give you that either, but it might give you some companionship.
1: yeah, again, better than nothing. I mean, you know, if you are lonely and the outside world has been cruel to you, again, the metaverse world can stimulate our nervous systems because when someone feels like a winner and a star or just an erotic goddess or just somebody different, then, they're still going through those same nervous stimuli and synapses as they're playing the game. But I don't know, I think I'm old school. I think human skin-to-skin connection with someone that you care about or at least are drawn to in a magnetic way is the most medicinal and nourishing thing you can have. Well, what a
0: perfect place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a really beautiful way to tie it all up. And honestly, this was a much needed episode on the ageless by rescue podcast. I really try to cover all of the pillars of cellular wellness, vitality, longevity, um, and beauty. And I Mm. think, you know, uh, sexual energy pleasure, uh, at any age, at any stage is, is really an enormously important aspect of all of those key pillars. And What better expert to speak to than my friend, Alina who um, whose details I'm going to link to at the end of the podcast for you. But I want to thank you so much for the wonderful amount of science and research and historical perspective you also brought to this uh, episode, because I think that was really wonderful. As you said, you know, once you know that it's in the realms of possibility, that's the first step towards discovering Tantra.
1: Oh, thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure with my beautiful friend and I have so much respect for you and all the incredible wisdom that you're cultivating here and to be a part of it. An absolute honour. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Ageless by Rescue is brought to you by Rescue Me Academy. Reignite your relationship course. Love your relationship but miss the early days? You're not alone. This course will teach you how to identify your issues, stop the fighting, find what you need to be happy, respark intimacy, and keep the lines of communication open. Join us at rescuemeacademy.com.au to learn more about the program and to download your first free lesson. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that.